New York Artists Collective. And welcome to the New York Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about. This is the podcast where we interview an artist to discuss the creative songwriting process behind one of their songs. I am your host, Stephanie Manns, a singer-songwriter and one of the New York Artist Collective producers. And today's guest is Phil Pickens, country Americana singer-songwriter from Georgia, now based in New York, here to tell us about his song, Mary the Boxer. Phil Pickens, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me in my wonderful studio. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, not at all. It doubles as my apartment, so it's not quite as wonderful as we might think. But we like to pretend it's in podcast land, that we're somewhere luxurious. Nice. Um, but it's, it's fun that way. So, Phil, thank you for joining us. And also, uh, thank you in advance for um, agreeing to play the March 23rd show. We're very excited to have you. Yes, looking forward to it. Have you played many songwriter circles before? No, this will be my first one. That's exciting. It is exciting. I, I'm surprised. I, I would have thought for a southerner, you you may have been involved in rounds before, but I guess if you've been doing a lot of music in New York, then perhaps that's why. Maybe like in a, like an apartment sense, but never like a show sense. But like, you know, growing up on like the Bluebird Cafe, there was that series that they used to do with the songwriter circle. And it's it's great. It's fantastic. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. Oh, great. Well, uh, you know, you're in a round with, with uh, two incredible artists. So I'm very excited to see that one as well. But let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. How about we let's let's talk about your song, um, "Mary the Boxer," and then we'll we'll launch into more things about Phil Pickens and, and where you have come from and things. Okay. So tell us about "Mary the Boxer." So how did you come to write the song? Um, I love the production of it. I was saying to you earlier, I, I love the banjo kind of going through it. I do love a banjo. Um, <laughs> Me too. What's "Mary the Boxer" about? Uh, well, "Mary the Boxer" is about uh, the underdog, and um, it. it started by I have this pair of uh, boxing gloves um, that were my grandfather's uh, dapper was his name and um, and so I had these boxing gloves and I, I brought them to the college with me they were kind of sitting around and they're from like the 1920s like they're beat up they're torn they're completely like battered and yeah, I was just thinking about the story behind these gloves and I was thinking about like the people that have kind of fought for me or people I think of like as being fighters or fierce people and the first people that came to my mind were my mom and my sister and so this was sort of a tribute to them but also a tribute to anyone that has felt like the underdog Um, and the story kind of goes through these two women that are kind of both pinned as underdogs and we don't know who's going to win Um, there's a legacy that's behind it there's religion behind it like saying like what what are you capable of what are you capable of doing and I think to kind of drive the point of that it's up to the individual and it was up to both of these characters Mm -hmm. individual responses to this match of how they were going to react and how they were going to overcome and it's sort of and this it's a really story-based song and I haven't written a lot of those but I was particularly drawn to mapping out the story and also kind of showcasing it in a way that at the end, you don't really know who wins. You don't know who knocked the other person out, Mm -hmm. but it's sentiment is about um, kind of rising up and overcoming those challenges and being like the best version of you. I love that story. Mary, is that somebody who's prominent in your life? Is that your mom? No, my mom's Kathleen, so it's definitely not her. And my sister's Aaron. I think I just like the way it yeah. sounds. And there was also kind of that religious connotation I was thinking about uh, with it too. 
Yeah, so the characters, you know, are just very loosely based on family, but mm-hmm. the kind of spirit of my mom's sister kind of lived through it. I love that you've chosen to write it about two women, boxers. Yeah. I think, you know, typically people think of boxers and they think of, you know, Muhammad Ali or Sonny Liston and, and things like that. So I love that you've chosen two women and, and to, you know, tell the story of their strength through this song. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It just felt like the right response to kind of what I was feeling in that moment and like responding to those pair of gloves that were my grandfather's and like what that meant to me today. And in terms of like the production of it, you know, it sounds like you've got quite a, a full range of uh, instruments going on there. Yeah, full full arrangement of instruments and voices. Um, when I first wrote the song, I, it just started as like a bass line on the guitar. And it was something that kind of felt to me as just like what the mat would feel like if it was hit really hard. Mm-hmm. And so that started like the guitar riff and then when I brought it to the band, um, you know, I kind of wanted everyone to kind of be a character in the story. So in some ways, like with the guitar picking that I was doing, like what if the banjo is another character? And like, what does that sound in relationship with the guitar? And then uh, like with the piano, like kind of this orchestral arrangement that Dave came up with, like kind of being like the priest figure that's in the song and then the drums just being that participation in it um so yeah it's a full full production then we like at the very end like when we're repeating that chorus over and over we got in like uh five to six different voices in there to to sing that chorus Mm -hmm. and kind of drive it home it's a really interesting idea i've never heard of anyone describing the instruments as characters or relating to the characters in the song. I think that's that's fascinating. Yeah, definitely. And when we play it live, I always give DK, the banjo player, we kind of grin it out a little bit as if we're the two you know, fighters that are up there and I'm doing my like guitar pick and he's doing his mm-hmm. uh, banjo uh, lick. So, How do you find, um, you know, when you go into a studio and you're kind of producing your song and um, I think one of the, the first things that I had to let go of was I'm not a you know I'm not a multi multi instrumentalist. I don't play everything, and I don't think it's. And then I think I realize it's not my job to. When you kind of go into it, how much control do you like to have and give away? I like to give away as much of it as possible. Honestly, I mean, I in some cases I feel like I'm a like a jack of all trades, master of none. So like, and I'm surrounded by uh, amazing musicians, and they and they all know their craft very well. So you know, when we attacked any song I don't have a I don't dictate what they're going to do I want them to have ownership of their part first because it's more interesting than anything I could come up with but second their ideas can you know bring something to the the story that I didn't realize was even there Mm -hmm. so I think that process is super fun for me to discover with the guys Mm -hmm. there's a lot of trust I guess you put in your band and your producer and yeah totally and I think it works both ways and you know it's you know, we can share those ideas and go back and forth and, you know, try different things. And, and we feel like we're in a safe place to do that. And um, even with the producer that did the record, I mean, he was a huge ally. And of course, like when you go into like a studio or if you're performing a live show, like no one wants to see you fail. Like that's kind of a given. But you kind of you can go into it sometimes with that anxiety, like beforehand. But like being in the room with people you trust and like knowing that everyone is there to help and support and make the best thing possible, it becomes a lot of fun and just makes it easier in general. We'll tell you what, let's take a listen and then we can uh, talk more about the album and, and about you. Great. 
your style i think you call yourself or you have been described as a folk crooner i mean how would you describe yourself if you were to kind of 
you know, pick some more adjectives or, or some people that have influenced you? And I know that's a hard question and everyone hates it, but everyone asks that question. So I'm going to going to let you do it. Well, I like I like crooner in the description because I feel like there's a certain amount of, you know, that there's a certain amount of storytelling, that there's going to be like an engagement between uh, the singer and the audience. And I like that. And I just like to think of myself as um, someone that's trying to be creative in storytelling, someone that's, um, I'm really drawn to underdogs, much like Mary. And I, th- and I think I kind of seek underdogs winning, like in most of my songs, they're all kind of all about underdogs or uh, about how do we make the best out of loss? How do we overcome? Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and is that one of the sort of central themes of your latest album, Cathedrals? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Cathedrals, the title track on that is uh, like one of the first lines is, I am a relentless dreamer. I am a familiar kiss. And I think that kind of sums up the the whole of the album right there and that just short lyric i haven't looked at the arrangement of the album but is cathedrals the first song no it's actually one of the last and it, it was actually wasn't going to be on the record at all but we had played it you know various times at shows and people um had taken a liking to it it's a very easy arrangement it's just me playing uh, kind of a, a scale on a guitar uh a bass line and harmony and that's it and so it kind of felt like when we had like the extra time in the studio, it was like, well, let's let's give that a shot. Let's mm-hmm. just see if it sticks. And we did a take and that was it. I do love the kind of like an intro song. Yeah. You know, and again, um, but it's interesting that you put yours later on in the album. Yeah. So you are from Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. Born and raised. Yes. And you moved to New York t- 10 years ago ish. Uh, 12 years ago. Um, so what brought you here? Well, I. B- studied uh, theater in college and so right after college I, w- I did a, an apprenticeship at a theater in Louisville Actors Theater and I was there for nine months like studying you know the different uh, crafts of, th- of theater and like all the different departments and um, and then I got an audition for Jersey Boys and so I moved I packed up um, my car and auditioned and didn't get it <laughs> and uh, I've been here ever since. That is interesting. You didn't strike me as a, a musical theater major. Well, I really wasn't, but I the thing, and I didn't study musical theater in college, um, but I did have to sing a song for one of the shows that was in the festival, and so it, it was a kind of a cool collaboration because the um, author knew me as a as a singer songwriter, and so she gave me a set of lyrics and told me to put um, music to it, and so we collaborated on that, and that became like a, a segment of the show. And so there was, you know, a couple of like casting directors over there and said, hey, why don't you go in for this, blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. I said, great, sign me up, let's do it. Why? Okay, that's a great, that's a, <laughs> a unique way of coming to the city. Yeah. And you were saying earlier that in terms of, you know, growing up and how you learned to play guitar, you bought a guitar at a garage sale. Did I say that right? Is it garage sale? Yeah, garage sale. Well, I yeah. say garage. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so you, so you bought a guitar at a garage sale. Yeah, uh, my dad got it for me. He... I kind of had ADD as a kid. I was just kind of going all over the place. I really had no idea how to focus myself. And so my dad got it for me. He just thought it might be a solution. And then it became a quick obsession. And I think he was thankful for that. Mm-hmm. So I started playing. I started learning all these songs. And I started getting quite good at it. And I was young. I was like 10 years old. And I started getting better at it. And so my parents were like, well, maybe 
we should give the kid some lessons so he can get better. And so they signed me up with this um, wonderful um, lady, Miss Jeannie, who I could also say Mary the Boxers about. And she um, taught me how to play classical guitar. And so I was with her a couple of years studying and then finally had to get the electric out and studied with some other people in the Atlanta area and started doing like little jazz trios and such like that. It's interesting. I mean, I certainly growing up, I never, I mean, well, I wasn't allowed to play the guitar. I was, uh, was pushed towards the piano and I didn't want to play piano, <laughs> but I wasn't aware that there were a lot of, you know, female guitar teachers think growing up I might have been allowed to do it otherwise yeah I don't know I don't know if there are were but the it was really kismet when we met because she had had this great background she studied with uh, Christopher Parkening which is amazing classical guitar player and the first thing she did and I was so upset was I because I had you know I had worked on the guitar I gotten okay at it and I had to like fill out like an application and she said oh your penmanship's really good that will like help uh, with your guitar skills and then my dad said well you're you know he's left-handed I don't know if that makes a difference and then she took the guitar like right from me and she restrung it right then and said this is how you're going to play from mm-hmm. now on and so I've been a South Paul guitar player ever since but I, I was so mad at that moment but I'm, I guess I'm thankful now how long did it take you to relearn I mean probably if, it felt like it took longer for me to relearn than it took for me to initially start why? which was frustrating and, it, and I think it was just me trying to get over the the resentment of having to change it all but it took a while and there was like many times where I wanted to quit and I think like my mom would say like oh well Elton John's mother didn't let him quit or something like caddy like that so I was like all right we'll keep working at it are you grateful that you can play both ways now yeah I am I mean it's one of those things where it's a little, it can be a little trick sometimes because if there is a right-handed guitar, I can play it not as well or comfortably, yeah. but like I can play it, but it's also, it's hard to find good guitars. It's hard to just kind of jump in when you need to mm-hmm. sometimes. So your influences growing up ranged quite dramatically from, you were saying uh, your dad was into, was it your dad that was into jazz? Yeah, my dad was into jazz. My mom was like a diehard Beatles fan Mm -hmm. my sister at this point is like listening to like R.E.M. um then like my grandparents like on my dad's side were big country music fans on my mom's side he was a great jazz piano player um so I always had like a lot of music um that was coming in my way and then even like starting guitar at the time I hadn't really figured out style of music that I like so I was playing classical I then started playing a lot of jazz and didn't really get into this uh, folk scene really until my mid-20s. When you came to New York did you you know feel that rich history when you moved here? Yeah I mean there was something yeah there's complete you know you hear all the stories of um, you know that beatnik generation that's coming and like kind of how they made a revolution in New York and Mm -hmm. And I remember, I think one of the first places I went in New York was Rockwood, and, um, and I saw I was seeing a friend that was playing a show there, and being able to kind of go around, you know, the Lower East Side and kind of feel a part of this experience. I I was really drawn to it, and um, and like writing songs at that point was just something I did as a hobby. But as soon as I saw that first show, I was like, I I have to be a part of this. I have to do it. Mm-hmm. I have to write more songs so I can play a set somewhere and, and do this. This just seems so 
magical. And now you're selling it shows at Rockwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's it's I had to remind myself sometimes, you know, like thinking back when I first moved and like, you know, wanting to do that and having to remind myself like, I did it. That's mm-hmm. good. You know. What would you say to a young songwriter who's just moved to New York? I would say like go see a lot of shows. I would say go every open mic that you possibly can. I would, I mean, this city, the most magnificent thing about it is there's art around every corner. So you can see it with music, you can see it with theater, you can see it with dance, you can see it on the street. So just embrace it and go after it. Mm-hmm. What do you have coming up this year? Are you touring? Uh, this year I'm going to tour around the Northeast a little bit. Um, we have a couple singles that we're going to release this year. And then uh, we're going to try to get back in the studio for another album in the fall. Awesome. What, is, what are your thoughts on album releases versus single releases in the current climate? Um, I, you know, and just to give some context for that, a lot of artists are releasing singles versus albums just because, one, it's more cost-effective, two, it's more, you know, you get more marketing value out of doing that. Right. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think logistically making a single makes complete proper sense. Absolutely. I mean, when we first, when we did cathedrals, the first idea of it was to release three at a time. So, because that's how we recorded it. So we went in, we did three songs, we took a, a little break, did another three songs, took a little break, did another three songs, and then we had an album. Um, and then when I got back the first three, and maybe it's just with a debut album in that sense, is it, it didn't feel like. I was able to really introduce myself with three songs. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I felt like an album was was a better solution. Whether it was or not, I, I can't tell you, but um, I think it just depends on what kind of story you want to put out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And like for the singles that are coming out this year, like for me, they're singles because they're meant to be singles. They yeah. weren't a part of a bigger picture. But what I see with this, you know, the what will go in for the fall and you know there's still a lot of work to be done on a writing perspective and selecting the songs is that you know I went there to be a journey from track one to track ten. So Phil Pickens thank you very much for, for chatting to us you are playing uh, Rockwood stage three with us the New York Artists Collective um, did I say March 23rd I meant to um, yes. at 6.15 I think that 6.15 is the showtime doors are at 5.45 um, alongside Trey Alam and Eli Lev so I'm, I'm really interested to see how you guys will connect on stage. I think you are all really interesting songwriters with very different sounds. Um, and I'm very excited for that show. Yeah, me too. Me too. Awesome. Um, if people want to find you, where can they where can they go? Where's your, your most active platform? The best place is to go to philpickens.com and sign up on the mailing list. You're very active with your mailing list. I envy you. I have to say I, I, I'm active, but I'm not too active. I'm, I will. I promise not to be annoying, but I promise to give healthy updates. Excellent. A bit sort of, you know, like your mum once a week type thing. <laughs> no. No. Okay, fair enough. You know where I was going with that. Yes, you just, yes, you yes. just kind of keep them sweet. Yes. Um, that's what I do, but my mother doesn't listen to this podcast, so it's fine. So <laughs> philpickens.com and you're at Instagram. You're on Instagram at philpickens. Correct. Awesome. Phil, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Likewise. Can't wait to see you March 23rd. If anyone wants to get tickets, you can check out newyorkartistcollective.com. Mr. Phil Pickens and his song Mary the Box are from his album Cathedrals. And you can find out more about Phil from his website, philpickens.com. Um, Phil is paying 
Phil is playing an NYAC show on March 23rd at Rockwood Music Hall at 6pm, stage 3, alongside Trey Lamb and Eli Lev. Um, it should be a great show, and all of those details are available on our website, newyorkartistcollective.com. My name is Stephanie Manns. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back next week with Eli Lev. See you then. New York Artist Collective.